Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. I freely admit that there are times when I can be a bit of a nerd, particularly when it comes to the Bible. One of the things I enjoy doing from time to time is word searching on my Bible app. I've got quite a sophisticated Bible resource program and word searching a particular word and looking up every single use of it in the Bible. And I've done that with the word spirit. And so in preparation for this study, I've looked at every single reference to the word spirit in the Bible. It took me quite a while, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I want to share with you some of my conclusions and reflections. And I hope you don't find it too dull. I hope you find it quite stimulating and helpful. The reason I'm doing this is to pick up where we're next got to in John's gospel. We talked about the crowd putting their faith in Jesus. We talked about him uh, saying to the crowd that anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink and rivers of living water will flow from within them. So this is all in John 7. Let's hold on to that last bit. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. Because all I'm going to do now is look at verse 39, the very next verse, where John says this, by this he meant the Spirit. And so that's why I just looked up every time the Bible says Spirit or the Spirit. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. This is all John 7.39. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So I want to try and explain and understand what John is meaning and why the Spirit had not yet been received and what we understand by this Spirit that brings life-giving water from within. And we looked in more detail at that imagery in our last study, we're going to look at the Spirit. He's saying it's come from within. This river will flow from within in verse 38. We're talking about the indwelling Spirit of God. God's Spirit within a believer. And it's to happen later. It's not happening there and then as the disciples are following Jesus. It needs to come, uh, John tells us, after he has been glorified. In other words, after Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. At that point, the Holy Spirit is to be given into the life of every follower, every disciple, every believer, every Christian. We call that beginning at Pentecost. It's described in Acts chapter 2. Now, the Bible often describes this spirit as holy. But I wanted to just share with you what I discovered when I looked up every single reference to the spirit in the entire Bible. So here's a little bit of numbers for you. There are 125 different verses in the Bible, and some of the verses use the phrase more than once, but 125 different verses in the Bible that simply say the Spirit, just like that verse in John, the Spirit. There are 93 verses that add the phrase holy, the Holy Spirit. There are 29 phrases that talk about the Spirit of God. Now, it's different from the 125 that are just the Spirit. There are 25 verses that say the Spirit of the Lord. There are 15 verses that say uh, my Spirit, where it's God speaking. 
there are 12 verses that talk about his spirit, where it's talking about God. There are five verses that talk about the one spirit. There are four verses that talk about the spirit of truth. Four verses, the spirit of the holy God. Three verses that talk about the spirit of wisdom. Two verses that talk about the spirit from God. Three verses, the spirit of Christ. These are all separate and different verses. Three verses that talk about your, uh, meaning God's spirit. Two verses, the spirit of grace. Uh, two verses, your good spirit. And then you've got the spirit of, these are all one verse each. Spirit of leadership, spirit of prophecy, spirit of glory. This, his spirit, meaning Jesus, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of judgment and fire, the spirit of faith, the spirit of the living creatures, the eternal God, God's spirit. So they've got lots and lots of different references. But I want to draw them into some groups and uh, just explain the power and significance of the way the spirit of God is described. So as we've said, there are 125 that simply call the Spirit the Spirit. That's the biggest phrase. So every other de- uh, use of the word is a description of this Spirit. So there are 98 times in which the Spirit of God is connected to holiness. One of my bugbears is when we think of God's Spirit as being simply called the Holy Spirit, as if holy was part of the name. So, for example, my name is Donald Campbell, but you could describe me as the bald Donald Campbell. But you wouldn't say bald is my name. And holy is a description of the Spirit. It's not the name of the Spirit. Now, that may not matter to any of us, but it kind of matters to me because it's important for us not to skip over this word holy as if it's just a title, but to understand that it's a description of God. I'm going to come back to that in a moment or two. Then there are 93 verses where all of the inference is it's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, His Spirit, your Spirit. So that, as you can see, is a huge category. And those three are the main categories. The Spirit, Spirit connected with holiness, the Spirit connected with God. But the other ones that have more than one reference, one Spirit... Spirit of Christ, Spirit of truth, Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of grace, and then just one other of the ones that have one, the Spirit of glory. And I want to unpack all of those for a few minutes because I think they're really helpful in what they teach us. So, what do we understand? Simply by the phrase, the Spirit. We're talking about the indwelling presence of God. And earlier in John's Gospel, we read these words, God is Spirit and his worshippers must worship him in the Spirit and in truth. God is Spirit. And that's really important for us to understand that when we're talking about the Spirit, we're talking about God. We're talking about the presence, the nature, the very essence, the very being, the very heart of God living within, coming from within, producing rivers from within. It is the indwelling presence of God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 3, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
Sometimes I think some people misunderstand the Trinity and almost separate the Spirit and God out into separate beings. And that's fundamentally unhelpful and not what the Bible teaches. The Lord is the Spirit. God is the Spirit. And the next verse says, And we who contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And that's the purpose of God's spirit, of his presence, of his very nature and being, being within us. It is to transform us, to be more like Jesus, to be transformed into his image. And I love that idea. And so when Jesus talks about this thirst being quenched by this water, which is the spirit within, it is that we are able to become more like Jesus, less selfish, less unkind, less self-centered, less bitter, less greedy, less unself-controlled, and the Spirit of God dwells within. And then that second big description is of the Spirit of God being holy, pure, and without fault. The very presence of God within us is different to our own nature and our own spirit. His spirit is holy. It cannot have anything to do with sin or wrongdoing. So God within us cannot be led astray. John will later talk about the Holy Spirit as being like an advocate, a one who draws alongside to guide us. And the Spirit of God is described as being holy because he is pure and without fault. And within us he recoils at impurity. It is his presence within that creates our conscience, that makes us feel we don't want to do that. We want to step away. We want to confess our sins. It is his spirit within us that convicts us of sin, that makes us aware of what we're doing wrong. And the longer we go on with Jesus and the more we allow his spirit to fill us, the more we become aware of the things in our life that are impure because his Holy Spirit draws us to that which is unholy, And says, come away from it, renounce it, step away. So my first question for reflection is this. What is the Holy Spirit of God leading us away from? And what is he leading us to? What is the work of God doing in our life? How is he saying, this needs to change? What is he at work on at the moment? Because all the time when we're following Jesus, there will be something that he's saying, this needs to change. This needs to grow and develop. And this here needs to be removed and got got rid of. And that's the glory of the Spirit of God dwelling in us. His holiness is being shaped within us. It is his Holy Spirit. And the second big category of and descriptions of the Spirit of God is simply that it was God. Now, this was incredibly blasphemous to the first hearers and still to many religions today, that God himself, in all his purity, in all his holiness, could live within us. And there is a, a shocking nature to saying the Holy Spirit within. It's deliberately meant to be provocative. Even more so when Paul describes you and I as temples of his Holy Spirit. We are the very place where God lives. 
And it's important to understand it's not a lesser being. It's not an angel. It's not a force. It's not a power. It's not anything different to God. It is God himself who is dwelling within us. Not a different character. Not someone different to Jesus. Not someone different to the Father. It is the Spirit of the Father. It is the Spirit of the Lord. It is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of Christ. All of these phrases are used to describe this very same Spirit. It's not that there is a one Spirit of God, one Spirit of Christ, one Spirit of the Father. No, one Spirit. And it's God. And this is incredible. That God is building his very nature within us. He has come to reproduce his character, his personality, his fruit, his gifts within us. And so the second question to reflect on is this. How does God within us being a temple, how does that change how we see our lives? You and I are the vessels, the clay jars that hold the living presence of God in this world. How is God to be seen? How is God to be felt? How is God to be listened to? How is God to be, uh, how is that the hand of God to be felt? It is through my and your hands. It is through our words. It is through our actions. So how does us being a temple of God change how we see our lives? How does it change what we do? Our ambitions, our agenda, our lifestyle, our behavior. We are the carriers of God. How does it change where we go to be temples of his Holy Spirit? How does it change how we treat our bodies? How we live healthily? The next description of God that I want to draw your attention to is the spirit of truth. And again, this is a big part of Jesus talking to the disciples later in John's gospel at the Last Supper and talking about the Holy Spirit, the advocate. He calls him the spirit of truth. It is God within us that reveals his truth. It is God and the whispers and the prompts of his spirit from within that help us to discern what is good and right. Helps to expose deceit. Brings the word of God alive to us. It's when we read scripture and, and we hear something and it resonates and maybe the hairs on the back of our neck stand up and we feel that's for us, that's real, that's important. That's the power of God. That's the spirit of truth. And God's Holy Spirit within us is incompatible with lying. People filled with God's Spirit cannot lie. People who claim to be filled with God's Spirit and are lying are not. That's the whole story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts, which is a dreadfully frightening story, but happens when you try to say, I am filled with God's Spirit and I'm going to lie. Let's allow the truth of God to fill us. The Spirit of God is de described as wisdom. It is God's Spirit within us that not only alerts us to what is untrue, but prompts and guides us as to how to live our life. How to behave, what to do, who to speak to, what to say. It talks about the Spirit giving us words when we're in moments of pressure and tension giving us the words to say, guiding our steps, saying no to this and yes to that. 
So the next question for reflection is, what guidance do we need? Let me say, Holy Spirit, show us the way. Jesus has come to give this drink of the Holy Spirit that we might be guided. The next description I want to remind you of is this phrase, one. The one Spirit is used a number of times. The Spirit of God wants unity amongst the diversity and difference of human beings. Every human being has been created and shaped in a different way. We all look different. We all have different strengths. We all have different skills. We all have different passions. We all have different emphases. We all have different understandings. We all have different experiences. But the Spirit of God unites us. That we embrace our diversity and we enjoy our difference and we celebrate those who see things differently with us. And so again and again, the Bible talks about us being filled with his spirit. And Jesus is saying, drink this water, drink my spirit, receive it. But the implication of that is that it will lead to us seeking to be united with others who do the same. Not that we would be the same as them, but that we wouldn't be in conflict or jealousy or disagreement or belittling or excluding or hurting. So my next question for reflection is what disagreement with other Christians do we need to lay aside? Where are we in conflict with others? With another church? With another group of Christians? With someone within a church? And we are grieving the one Holy Spirit. The next description I want to draw your attention to is the Spirit of Jesus. Paul in Philippians says that we have the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's not talking about a different spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the same Spirit. This is the Spirit of God. It's just a reminder that we're talking about Jesus as God. In other words, the friend of sinners, the one who drew alongside those who were excluded, the one who was criticized for being appearing to con, con, uh, condone sin, and we'll look at that in a couple of sessions' time when we get on to John chapter 8. The friend of sinners is within. Not only the friend of sinners, but the conqueror of death is within. The one who has risen and defeated death. His spirit, not a different spirit, the same spirit. That's the spirit. It's the spirit of God. Therefore, it is the spirit of Jesus. So my next question is, what difference does it make to us that the Jesus of the Gospels would come and live with us? It is the Jesus who healed the sick. It is the Jesus who reached out in compassion to the hurting. It is the Jesus who died on the cross, who comes to make his home in us. In that study in John, uh, at the Last Supper, the end of John, he says, the Spirit and I, we will make our home within you. And that is why the Spirit is occasionally called the Spirit of Grace. How much more, Hebrews 10, the Spirit of Grace it is God's Holy Spirit within us that enables us to forgive, that melts away our bitterness and our anger and our desire for revenge. 
It is the Spirit of God within that transforms anger, that creates patience and compassion. So where do we need God to grow grace within us? And lastly, the Spirit of glory. 1 Peter 4, describing the Spirit of glory. It is this wonder of God's presence within us, the glory, the majesty, the awe of God within the clay jar, within the weakness of our humanity. It is the splendor and glory of God inside frail, sinful human beings. This is the blasphemy and the wonder and the confusion of the good news of Pentecost, that God is seen to others in us. I wrote a prayer for one of our live streams recently which takes the fruit of the Spirit and each of those different aspects of God's character that he wants to grow in us. Remember, the Spirit wants to transform us. He wants to shape us, his holiness. He wants to get rid of all within us that is not like Jesus and lead us in wisdom and truth and unity to be more like Christ. So maybe you want to join with me in this prayer. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me that I may love and transform your world. Fill me that I may have joy and display your glory. Fill me that I may have peace and bring your presence to those I am near. Fill me that I may be patient and model your grace. Fill me that I may be kind and bring hope. Fill me that I may be good and live justly. Fill me that I may be faithful and stay close to you. Fill me that I may be gentle and bind up the brokenhearted. Fill me that I may be self-controlled and resist temptation. Holy Spirit, fill me. Jesus has talked of rivers of water flowing from within. By this he means the Holy Spirit flowing out from within. So our questions for reflection. What is the Holy Spirit of God leading us away from? And what is he leading us to? How does God within change how we see our lives? What guidance do we need? What disagreement with other Christians do we need to lay aside? What difference does it make to us that the Jesus of the Gospels would come and live with us? Where do we need God to grow grace within us? Amen.